sweet, sweet sound of Dark Horse Rosé. We are back in business. Do you want to pour? Of course. We have a little bit of a different setup this week. Yes, we're trying out a new podcast recording environment. Yeah, we used to be office vigilantes. Yes. Vigilantes. Using the conference room for something other than conferencing. (laughs) However, those days are over. We are now podcasting from our homes and uh, it's going to be great. Welcome to episode 14 of Purder She Wrote. We can't believe we're here. And we're happy to be back after a couple months on hiatus. Holidays <laughs> are crazy, and so are day jobs. Yes. Uh, but Dark Horse, if you're listening and you want to sponsor our podcast, that would be cool. Hook us up. Right? We'll take free wine. That'd be great. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind being paid in wine. Yeah. Well, if you've stuck with us for 14 episodes, you all already know us. I'm Dana LaCoco. And I am Sunshine LaMontry. And uh, this is the one and only, as far as I know, Cozy Cat Mystery Podcast, Purder She Wrote. I think we might be the only cozy mystery podcast in general. We're just carving that niche out for ourselves. That's right. Niche? Niche? Uh, who knows? Yeah, I know. Vigilante. Vigilante. Hey, tomato, tomato. Tomato, you're wrong. <laughs> My <laughs> favorite saying. Who says tomato? Nobody well, does. No one. Well, if you haven't already, um, please give us a rating, a review, or a subscription on your favorite podcasting service. Find us on iTunes or Simplecast, or I think we're all over the place. All over the web. Yep. Anyways, uh, we came out with a mini episode a couple weeks ago, and we had a poll attached to that asking you guys to help us choose our next cozy. Unfortunately, the book that we thought that we would be reading next Fool's Moon, which is about tarot cat reading cards in Florida. What I mean, great premise right there. Yeah. Uh, sadly, that book does not actually come out until November. July. 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 Oh. So soon. Yes. Soon. We can't read it now, but we will read it as soon as it is released because... Yes. We have not yet encountered a cozy mystery, which takes place in a new age shop. Yeah. Or in Florida. Or in Florida. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Although we have had tarot cards show up before. True. But only once, even though that was part of the premise. Hopefully this is better. Yes. I'm looking at you, Murder at the Art Gallery. It always comes back to Murder (laughs) at the Art Gallery. Um, So the next book we'll be reading is Curiosity Killed the Cat. Uh, but this time, we read a little book called Curiosity Thrilled the Cat. This book is by Sophie Kelly. What do we know about Sophie? Let me tell you a little bit about Sophie Kelly. First of all, she is not just Sophie Kelly. No. She's also Sophie Ryan. Hmm. And she's also Darlene Ryan. Oh. oh. Three pen names. Layers. Wow. Darlene Ryan is allegedly, according to the internet, the source person. So the Sophies are pen names. The Sophies are pen names, yes. Okay. So Sophie Kelly writes the New York Times best-selling Magical Cats mysteries, which is what we read from. Right. Sophie Ryan, on the other hand, writes the New York Times best-selling Second Chance Cat mysteries. Two Cozy Cat series? 
two different pen names. Both are Sophie, though. Yeah. That's so confusing. It is. I wonder why she was like, Sophie Kelly can only write one series. Right, but Sophie Ryan can write another series about cats. And then doesn't hide it. It's not like... It's it not like Miranda and- James, who is actually a man named Dean James. Right. Uh, which we had to dig a little bit to find. Yeah. Now, this is in her bio. She's hmm. like, Sophie Kelly, she's also Sophie Ryan. Both Sophies love cats. <laughs> Both Sophies write cozy cat mystery series. That's confusing, but okay. It's an interesting choice. Does she write any more cozy series or is it only cats? No. Her real name, Darlene Ryan, under that name she writes young adult books and they seem to be straight fiction Mm -hmm. young adult books with such titles as rules for life pieces of me five minutes more and cuts like a knife and they all seem to be like teen emotional dramas i was gonna say those sound like uh cw shows they kind of have premises like cw shows nice yeah one is like a young girl gets pregnant, gives her baby away, but then she decides she decides that the baby is being neglected. She steals it back oh and then God. runs away to Canada. <laughs> wow, that is a CW show. Right? That's like a plotline from Riverdale. I know. I know. Wow. So um, she writes all kinds of stuff. Let's see. This will be relevant to our book that we read. In her spare time, she practices Wu-style Tai Chi. Very Um, relevant. Yeah, very. She also, she offers up a lot of information in her bio. Hmm. Uh, She actually has, like, an interview. Oh. Presumably someone else asked her these questions, and she didn't interview herself. It would be really weird to interview yourself. It would be a little much. It would, yeah. Kind of extra. (laughs) But I don't know who asked her these questions or where they, where else they appear. But someone asked her, how did you get started as a writer? And she talks about how she's been writing forever. Mm-hmm. She won third prize in a poetry contest in third grade. And she also, interestingly, wrote radio commercials for wow. years. Yeah. Huh. So she's, she's an ad lady. Okay. Like us. Yeah. Oh, and she's also a mixed media artist. Oh. So. All right. I don't know where that plays out, but it is a fact. Well, we have a mixed media artist in this book, so So, I guess she's writing what she knows. Speaking of this book, this is book one of the Magical Cats series. And um, this series is off to a very well-reviewed start. Um, Generally, people were loving it. The worst review I could find was only three stars, uh, which is still... Pretty well-reviewed. Paladin on Amazon says, It's a decent cozy mystery. This one required a more than willing suspension of disbelief. Hmm. Cats with superpowers. Oh boy. Paladin hasn't read what we've read. Paladin has (laughs) never been near the cats that surf the web (laughs) or a history of magic. Yeah. The writing is unexceptional. There was sufficient character development And the plot was reasonable. Of course, the story involves very high-minded people, well able to pass righteous judgment on others while living their unmarred lives. Whoa. Baking up a storm and never using bad language. (sighs) 
The red herrings, the martyrs, and the predictable romance are all featured. If this type of book is your thing, try it. It's standard fare for the genre. Wow. Yes. It's like, like they started out the gate trying to be nice and then swerved mm-hmm. into like veiled insult after veiled insult and then swerved back to be nice. Yeah. Pretty backhanded. But that was definitely the rudest review. The rest were positively glowing. Uh, a five-star review from Charlie on Amazon calls it enjoyable light reading. I wanted a break from the normal blood and guys crime fiction I read. I wasn't sure I would like this series because of the magic. I don't like sci slash fi. <laughs> it was a fun series to read. Not very much magic. It's true. So, uh, it worked for Charlie. Nikki Smith also loved it. She says, hi everyone, I love Sophie Kelly's books. She is my favorite author. And oh love her characters and small hometown. She goes on to say that she's introduced three generations to this book. Whoa. Teenagers, middle-aged, and senior citizens, and all of them have loved it. Nikki also points out that Sophie's books come in large print. Oh. Accessible. Uh, Yes. Nice. Um, By far, though, my favorite review uh, on this book was a five out of five star Amazon review from Leela. And Leela says, Delightful read. I enjoy reading these light kitty mysteries just before I go to bed. Clears my head of all the politics and Ebola fear-mongering going on. Christ. I prefer the hard science and practical medical advice, which is in scarce supply with all the politics. Thanks, you, Sophie Kelly, and your two furry partners. Wait, she's turning to Sophie Kelly for hard science and medical facts? I mean, I think she's turning to Sophie Kelly for an escape from Ebola. Fear-mongering? <laughs> but, uh, you know what? Five out of five stars, it's a delightful read. I mean, if it takes me out of my sheer terror box of Ebola fear yeah. that I've been living in. Really, uh, really lessens your anxieties about contracting uh, tropical diseases. Yeah. So, Leela's happy. And uh, Kindle customer wrote in their five-star review. They just had to add, uh, no added elements of detailed violence, vulgarity, or gutter language. Gutter language. And they're not wrong. There was uh, nary a word of gutter language in this book. That's true. It was all out of the gutter. Yes. Above board. Well above board. Well above the gutter. On the roof. Uh, They probably mean, like, gross sewer street yeah gutters. like dickens era yes. gutters yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're not no. attached to people's roofs at that time i believe no. no so no dickens era gutter language nope to be found no in curiosity thrilled the cat an all-around wholesome family-friendly read well we'll get there well yeah yeah wholesome ish so let's dive into our cozy rubric, speaking of. Yes. So first up, who is our heroine in Curiosity Thrilled the Cat? We have the one, the only, Kathleen Paulson. She is, no surprise here, a librarian mm-hmm. of a mysterious age. Yes, it is very mysterious uh, how old Kathleen is. Um, she mentions looking young for her age, but no longer being in her 20s, uh, and she has 
a couple of passions that maybe age her a bit. I would say first is her undying love of Barry Manilow. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Which her cat hates and flees the room every time she puts on her Barry Manilow album. Yes. And it's a CD too. Mm. And she has a landline. A corded landline. True. There's one scene where she's sitting down and she like pulls the table closer to her so that she has more room to move with the phone. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, Don't you just text him? Yeah. <laughs> it's a mystery. It's a different generation. Yes. Um, Kathleen's other great love is uh, Kevin Sorbo of the Hercules TV series. So a quick IMDb reveals that the Hercules series ran in the mid-90s from 95 to 99. So, I mean, I remember those years. I guess guess you could have had like a preteen crush on Kevin Kevin Sorbo. Sorbo. But her love for Kevin Sorbo lives on in the book because in this fictional universe, he is on a Dancing with the Stars-esque show called Gotta Dance. Gotta Dance, along with Matt Lauer. Yeah, so this is obviously dated. My my one note for that, yeah. <laughs> I underlined Matt Lauer and wrote, no good now. No good now. <laughs> I think this book came out in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Before the revolution. Right. Matt Lauer, not a good pop cultural reference. No. Um, outside of that, I would say Kathleen is a pretty standard cozy mystery heroine. Yeah. She's well-liked. She bakes. And she is constantly drinking coffee. Oh my god, I was concerned for her health. The amount of coffee that she drinks throughout this book is like... Gallons. Gallons, it must be. And the book only takes place over a matter of days, but I mean, every scene she's refilling a coffee cup or uh, brewing a fresh batch of coffee. Right. Uh, She... Like, every other paragraph, she's pouring herself or someone else even Mm -hmm. another cup of coffee. It's contagious. She's spreading it. I worry. I'm like, girl, you're going to get some acid reflux. You're going to get some ulcers. Ulcers, that's the other thing. You're going to have teeth that look old. Yeah. Coffee teeth. They'll turn beige. Yes. Think of your teeth, Kathleen. Do you have a dental hygienist out there? I mean, I'm imagining she's getting health insurance as a the head librarian. I hope Let's so. Let's hope so. I hope she has benefits. I hope so, too. Maybe we're old, if that's our main concern. <laughs> <laughs> so Kathleen has two cats. And, uh, I mean, they are the, the magical cats in the title. Yes. Um, we've got Owen and Hercules. And I think, unlike past books we've read, it's pretty explicit that these cats are... I mean, they've got some magic going on. Right. But I think it's actually pretty well done, unlike in past books. Very true. Uh, so the cats can't uh, explicitly communicate with Kathleen. Right. Uh, but she does notice that they start to appear in inexplicable places. Yes. Like they seem to disappear through closed doors and end up in her gym bag or appear on people's heads. Yeah. And there's enough uh, disbelief coming from her character where she's like, no, this can't be. I must be stressed. 
I'm the library renovation is getting to me. I'm hallucinating. Better pour myself another cup of coffee. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> That'll calm me down. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Caffeine will be great. But at some point, as a character, she decides to set this disbelief aside and like just roll with it. Yeah. She's like, okay, this You're is like, happening. They got, you know, they got some powers. Oh, and the cat. He appears to have power to walk straight through solid walls, Mm -hmm. whereas Hercules, the cat named for Kevin Sorbo, can turn invisible. Uh, It's not like she went to the pound or a shelter or something and found these cats and was like, oh, wow, they're just randomly magical. Right. Uh, She found them when she was wandering around. She does not clarify why she's wandering around. Just out for a stroll in this cozy little town. Uh, where there happens to be an abandoned estate. Yes, Wisteria Hill. Which it was unclear to me if there was a cemetery on that estate or if it was just the old abandoned house. But oh. either way, there's a ramshackle Victorian mansion. Kathleen goes to investigate and these two kittens follow her home. And she's like... Great, I got cats now. Yep. The weird part is not that they are invisible or can walk through walls or anything like that, but the weird part to me was that every time someone else came by her house, they were like, wow, I feel like I've seen these cats before. My grandma had a cat just like, just like this. Just like that. Oh, yeah. I thought it was the same cat. Yeah. Like two or three different people do that. Where'd you find this cat? Right. Oh, I could have sworn it was my mother's. Yeah. So, I mean, are these cats immortal? Maybe. Could they be ageless? Could they be witch cats? Even though it was not explained, the answer must be because of witches. You know, that would track with the rest of our uh, cozy reading. That's true. Witches get up to a lot of spooky business in these books. That's right. And witches and cats, BFFs. Mm Mm-hmm. It's science. So we mentioned Wisteria Hill, the mysterious estate where the cats came from. That's one of the features in our cozy town, which is Mayville Heights, Minnesota. 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 There's going to be people from Minnesota that are like, stop it. They're like, just quit it. Don't do it. We've heard enough. Yes. Unsubscribe. (laughs) (laughs) But Mayville Heights in the great northern state of Minnesota is a pretty cozy place, I would say. Agreed. It has the main street and the library, which are two hallmarks of any cozy town. It's also, uh, sounds like it's pretty in touch with nature. There's a lake, there's a river. It's walkable as well. It is very walkable. Yeah. Frankly, it sounded lovely. It did. And like most of our other cozy towns, there was an annual event that sort of sets off this uh, mystery. In this case, it's the Wild Rose Music Festival. Which, I mean, I would just imagine it's a lot of banjos. Yeah. Um, And I feel like all the people who live in Mayville Heights fall into our local weirdos kind of category. They all know each other, for one. (laughs) Yes. I mean, at least they didn't all go to high school together. Very true. Some of them went to college together. Unlike past books we've read, uh, not everyone was in the same graduating high school class. Um, There's actually quite a variety of ages of locals that we meet. One of the things I loved about this book was the sisterhood of women and how they were all just great friends. 
And they all did Tai Chi together. Yes. They all meet at different different houses and have dinners or yes. drink iced tea on the porch together. Yes, or in lovely gazebos. Yeah, they meet up for like weekly lunches that they eat together. They watch Not Dancing with the Stars, <laughs> unfortunately starring Matt Lauer together. <laughs> So yeah, it was it was nice. Everyone was really friendly. It was this really pleasant clan of women who were friends and supported each other. Yeah. So who'd we have? Let's see. So Kathleen is the newcomer, right? She's right. from Boston. She moves here to fix up the library during these renovations. Um, and she sort of integrates herself into this group. So we have uh, her neighbor, Rebecca. Yes. Who is an older woman. She seems kind of whimsical to me. Yeah, I feel like every scene she's described as wearing like a handmade scarf. Yeah, something beaded. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Something that would make like clinky noises. Yeah, exactly. Um, And she hurts her wrist at one point and instead of going to the doctor, like wrapping an ace bandage around mm. it or something, she puts like a catnip poultice on it yeah, to like bring in- the... Swelling down. Herbal remedy of yeah. some sort. Yeah. She seems kind of new agey. Yeah, very earthy. Yeah. And then her best friend since childhood is a woman named Violet. And for as new agey as Rebecca is, Violet is very refined and elegant. Mm-hmm. Uh, very she, sophisticated. Yes. She lives in a renovated Victorian house. Yeah. I mean, we can't get through one of these books without no. a renovated Victorian no. house. But Violet lives there. And yes, she's probably the most cosmopolitan of the bunch i imagine she has like a silvery pixie cut and wears a lot of lavender and gray tones yes wearing the hell out of some tail bits yes yes um and then there's maggie who kathleen is i think a little bit closer with yeah it sounded like kathleen and maggie were closer in age yeah and uh they're the dancing with the stars or gotta dance gotta dance <laughs> Star Matt Lauer <laughs> so they watch that together and drink wine every Monday and it was like yeah same I, I get it. that I feel yeah. that very it's relatable kind of friendship I can get behind and Maggie also uh, is the Tai Chi instructor and also a mixed media artist and potter and I love that in the town of Mayville Heights you can make a living as a potter and Tai Chi instructor yes like that's Charming. Maybe we should move there and we can make a living as Cozy Cat Podcasters. I love it. Mayville Heights. Yep. Are you open for business? Right. Do you exist? (laughs) Are you a real place? (laughs) Then there's Ruby. And I will be honest, I don't remember much about Ruby. I think she was also in the Tai Chi group. She seemed to be one of the younger women and she uh, made her own wine. That's right. Yes. She made wines and like beers and stuff, right? Yeah. Home brewer of the bunch. Yeah. Yeah, we don't hear too much from her, but she's no. in the, the Tai Chi group. So is Roma, who is the local veterinarian, um, but also seems to be the local people doctor in uh, many cases. Throughout this book, every time someone gets hurt, Roma happens to be like next to them or nearby or just coming into the room or something, and she fixes them. She's yeah. like, I, you know, I see as many people as I do animals. Yeah, and Kathleen gets hurt a couple times throughout this book in increasingly suspicious ways. Mm -hmm. 
Um, she's hit by a roll of plastic sheeting at the library. She's electrocuted. She is electrocuted at the library. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, like, and- seriously electrocuted, too, where she is thrown a couple feet and, like, blacks out for a moment. Yeah. I can't believe she wouldn't go to the hospital I for that. I would absolutely go to the hospital. I would be instantly at the hospital. I'd be like, am, am I dying soon? Please is this help. it? Yeah. <laughs> I've been electrocuted. Right. <laughs> This, this doesn't seem like one you come back from. <laughs> but yes, Roma is, yeah, she's she's always there to make sure that people and animals are not going to die from getting electrocuted. And, uh, you know, at, at one point, she kind of helps Kathleen and Maggie participate in like a highway chase. Yeah, so this is why I think Roma might be one of my favorite characters. She's kind of gruff, and she's pretty blunt in the way that she talks to people. Mm -hmm. She's not mean or anything. She's just very direct. Yeah. And so Maggie gets this crazy idea. Like, they're gonna track down the contractor and tail him, because she thinks that he is sabotaging uh, the renovation and purposefully hurting um Kathleen. Yes. So they all pile into Roma's SUV and they tail this guy in one scene. Uh, mm. which you know what? I'm I'm glad that this book featured a ride or die group of friends that was like, yeah, sure, let's let's follow this dude out of the city limits and see where he's going. Out into the middle of nowhere. Yeah. They're like, oh he went down that dirt road. Quick turn. <laughs> okay, sure. Like it's just three women in an SUV following this guy that they think is trying to murder Kathleen. Yeah. And maybe murder the composer. Yeah. Possibly. And they're like, hey man, let's do it. Gotta do what we've gotta do. We're we're above the law. (laughs) Yeah, we've got a a pretty badass lady sisterhood going on here. But there's also some dudes in this town. Both good and not so good. There are some bad dudes Mm -hmm. in town. And from out of town. Yes. Let's start with the good dudes, though. We'll, Let's we'll, look at the bright side. Yeah. Glass half full. Yeah. Uh, we have Orin. Orin. <laughs> which just always makes me think of Orin from Parks and Rec, the weird goth <laughs> kid. Uh, but this Orin is described as a Clint Eastwood type. He's a local handyman who is assisting with the library renovations, but not in charge of them. Right. He's mostly doing things for the Wild Rose Music Festival, working in their theater and like putting stage settings together. I don't know what a music festival entails, but he's, Very doing, true. Yeah. he's doing that kind of stuff. And then Kathleen likes his work slash likes him. Yeah, it was unclear. It kind of seemed like she had a thing for him, yeah. even though he seemed to be... You know, well into his 50s and very rugged. He's an artist. He is. He sort of makes this, like, wooden sun sculpture to go over the entranceway of the library, and Kathleen is, like, enchanted by it. Yeah. Oren's, like, a strong, silent type who's good at art and also building, I guess? So, Oren is artistic, but he actually just wants to be a contractor like he doesn't want to be a famous artist he doesn't want to be known for his sculptures or his music or anything like that he's salt of the earth through and through yeah he's not about that life he just wants to make some cabinets and like help people gut their old bathrooms yeah that's Uh, what he's about yep 
And then our other main dude in this book, uh, digging into our cozy rubric, sort of a two-for-one here, is Detective Marcus Gordon, the main policeman assigned to this particular murder mm-hmm. that shakes up Mayville Heights. And I would say, you know, he plays his cards pretty close to his chest. That's true, but he does show uh, this vulnerable side. Like, we learn that he goes with Roma out to the Wisteria Hills. What is it? I think it's the Wisteria Hill Estate. Wisteria Hill Estate. And he goes to help her um, sort of trap and release uh, the cats out there, the feral Mm -hmm. cats. Yep. And, like, he has this softer side where he really cares for animals and... He helps people and stuff like that, Um, even though Kathleen's interactions with him at first are largely like, uh, this gruff policeman, he thinks I'm responsible for murder. Right, yeah, she's not feeling it. Yeah. It's like, hey man, he thinks, chill out before you assault me like that. He thinks I slept with this old dude and then killed him. Gross. So they, they do not start off on the right foot. They certainly do not. Although they do share several dozen cups of coffee together and eventually come to an understanding. That's right. I think we've got to talk about some bad dudes now, one of whom we've hinted at before, and that is our murder victim, who is one Mr. Gregor Easton. Who's also like Douglas Gregory Williams. Yes. He has been living a double life. Yes, he's a world-renowned uh, music composer, having no no background in classical music. I don't really know if that's the term. Right. I, I think it's a composer of music. Okay. I like it. I like it. We'll take it. See what I did there? Yes. But uh, he comes to Mayville Heights to direct this Wild Rose Music Festival and uh, shortly after he arrives, he turns up dead in the theater. And while initially we don't really know much about Gregor Easton, some things come out about him that are unsavory. Very uncozy. Mm, not cozy at all. Yeah. So Kathleen is the one who discovers his body. He's found in the theater, like slumped over his piano with blunt force trauma to his head. Mm-hmm. Kathleen, at first, is a suspect because the night before, he had gone to the library and been like, I want to print something out. Your computers don't work. What kind of establishment is this? Right. And throws a fit and then her cat attacks him. Yes. Yes. Oh, hi. Hi. You guys. That's Herschel. It is Herschel. Hi, bunny. That's Dana's cat. He's big and orange. Yes. Uh, with sort of a little white stripe coming down his face and going onto his belly. Yeah, he's got some little white boots. He's a cutie. Little mittens. So, cat sounds are just part of the deal now. Yep. Yep. So, we were talking about Gregor Easton, uh, this composer of renown. Yes. Who uh, is murdered, and some unsavory details about his past arise. Yes. Kathleen has discovered him, and she has become a suspect in his murder. Yes, because there is a note found on Easton's body, purportedly written by Kathleen, that says, 
come meet me in the library after hours. Right. And Kathleen is like, what? I didn't write that. Yeah. That's not my handwriting. Gross. This is an old man. I'm not, I'm not trying to hit that. That's nasty. You're all nasty. But it turns out that Gregor Easton has a history with some young ladies. He loved women too much. And it killed him. This is not the first time this has happened. (laughs) (laughs) This is like the second or third time. But the question is, of all of the ladies that Easton knew in his life, which one would want to kill him? I mean, in town we have a couple suspects. There's uh, young Amy, who is in the chorus. Uh, at the Wild Rose Music Festival who Gregor Easton makes some passes at. There's Rebecca, her adopted grandmother, who's like, oh, hell no, you stay away from my adopted granddaughter, you creepy old perv. There's Oren, who uh, actually, surprise, wrote all the music that made Gregor Easton famous because they knew each other in college. Yep, and Easton stole his music, changed his name, and went on to live a life of uh, luxury and success. Yeah. Not our first instance of, like, major national plagiarism either. No. No, there was a couple of those. (laughs) There's, oh, the bad handyman. Yes, we need to talk about this guy. Right. So we have handy men in this story, and this yes. are sort of foils for each other. Yes. If Oren is our amazing artist handyman, uh, on the other end of the spectrum is Will Redfern, who is uh, pretty much the worst handyman ever. He's trash. I'm. Yeah, he is trash. I mean, it, it's it's due to the negligence of his crew that. Kathleen is injured uh, by the falling plastic. She gets electrocuted. They're behind schedule, over budget. Like, he's doing everything he can inadvertently because it's all passive aggressive. He's like, oh, I don't know if we can work because you moved the scaffolding. She's like, I moved the scaffolding because it almost killed me. He's like, oh, sorry, but that's going to add at least two more days onto our timeline. Yeah. Um, So he is terrible. We mentioned a car chase earlier when we were talking about our badass Tai Chi sisterhood. Will Redfern is the guy that they chase in their car because at that point, everyone's starting to realize that Kathleen getting electrocuted at the library and smacked with a gigantic roll of falling plastic is a little too much of a coincidence. Right. It's too much all at once. Right. So that's when Maggie gets her crazy idea to grab a car and tail Will Redfern and see where he's going on his extra long coffee breaks. Um, But of course, Maggie's car ends up not working. So they, you know, rope Roma in and she's like, great, hop in my SUV. Like we're, we're tailing this guy. No questions asked, which is like what you need in a ride or die. Yep. That's a good friend. Yeah. Anyways, they tail Will Redfern out to his sort of woodsy cottage where it's revealed that he is having an affair with none other than Ingrid, the former head librarian. What? Okay, and he is completely delusional because even though he is having an affair with Ingrid, mm-hmm. the former librarian, and he's trying to get Kathleen, the now librarian, kicked out, Ingrid is apparently moving to Montreal in like T minus 10 days. Yeah, she's like, I'm not sticking around. She's in- like, I didn't. Minnesota. She's, yeah. She stepped down from the job. She didn't want it. She's like, this is too much responsibility. I got to go back to Canada. 
But Will is like, oh no, I love you. Like, yeah. stay. I'll just kill the other librarian and right. then you can have your job back. Right. Like, what? That's, <laughs> yeah. This guy is psycho. He's, yeah, he's nutsy. And totally psycho because after the ladies tail him, they like back out and they're like, oh shit, this is crazy. Right. I hope he didn't see us. Yeah. And then uh, Kathleen goes home and of course he saw them. Right. So he shows up at her house and tries to hold her like at knife point to get her to get in his car. He's going to, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I'm not really sure. He's like, you need to write a letter saying you're like leaving town. Right. And she's like, but who's going to watch my cats? He's like, I don't care about your stinking cats. Uh, That really sets her off. She's like, you don't care about my cats? She's like, man, no way. And uh, (laughs) she actually hauls off and smacks Will Redfern over the head with a plate of burnt cinnamon rolls. Knocks them out. Yeah. That and apparently they just, you know, carbonized into like a... Instantly. Brick. Yeah. Um, but she is able to knock out Will and call Detective Gordon, who comes, and he's like, you really shouldn't take the law into your own hands. Like, this is, <laughs> this is a time when you should call the police. I feel like that is not the first time in our history of Cozy Cat Mysteries where the police have been like, you know... Yeah, we're here for a reason. Yeah, this is our job. We're, we're really good at this, <laughs> you know. Just just let us know. So, I have to say, this is one of the first books we've read that actually had some pretty compelling uh, motives for a number of different characters. Right, there were a lot of really convincing uh, red herrings Yes. Where I was like, oh yeah, it was, to- you're right, it was totally Oren. He did it. Right. He wanted revenge. Yeah. Easton stole his music, so right. he was going to kill him. Or it was Rebecca, who didn't want Easton creeping on her adopted granddaughter. Right. Or, or it was her adopted granddaughter in self-defense. Right. I thought that for a moment, too. I, I was actually pretty sure it was Rebecca, because there was, you know, with the cat's magical abilities, uh, at one point, Owen... They turn up the bead. Was that it? Yes. Yeah. At one point, Owen the cat walks through a wall at the library into um, an area that's quarantined off for both construction and the fact that it might be a crime scene, and walks back through the wall holding a bead in his mouth. And Kathleen sees it, and she's like, what's this from? But we know, as astute readers, that Rebecca is constantly wearing beaded shawls and scarves. Right. And at one point, she misplaced her scarf. Yes. And they found it in the Tai Chi place. She also mysteriously injured her wrist. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, wow, did this older lady murder this guy? Yeah. She might have. She might have. Decent reason. Yeah. She's protecting her adopted granddaughter from a lecherous creep. Yeah. Speaking of, we haven't even talked about how and why he is a lecherous creep. Oh my goodness. Yes. This is a uh, flashback time. <laughs> Back in uh, the college days of Rebecca and Violet, our senior Tai Chi sisterhood ladies, uh, they all studied classical music at Oberlin College with Gregor Easton when he was still going by Douglas Gregory Williams. And it turns out that Easton was quite a ladies' man. Yeah. He was also a sexual predator. Yeah, not in a good way. Yeah, no, like in the creepy... Malauer way. Yeah. Um, he he took pictures of several of the girls that he slept with 
and like used it to blackmail them. Right. So he's pretty much just like a huge perv. He did it over years, uh, undermining their careers, uh, destroying their lives in some cases. Yeah. Uh, and just um, just completely destroying their confidence, their beliefs in themselves. Right. Like, it was bad. He was a horrible, horrible dude. Yeah, and he would manipulate them into like, oh, I love you. Oh, I just, you're so beautiful. Let right. me take pictures of you. Yes. And then be like, oh, you're, you're a dirty skank. Right. And I'm going to use these pictures to yeah. make you wish you'd never been born. You'll never make your debut in 1960s society now. Right. Like, what a creep. Yeah. And apparently he just continued on that way his whole life. Right. Just working his way up the, through the sordid worlds of classical music <laughs> by blackmailing women and stealing other composers' works. Right. So apparently, not only was he a sexual predator, but he was a no-account, talentless hack. Yeah. So. So a lot of people had reason to kill him. Yeah. Um, but it turns out the real murderer kind of was uh, under our noses all along. Yeah. We should have guessed... Should we reveal? I think so. Spoiler alert for Curiosity Thrilled the Cat if you've listened this far and <laughs> don't want to know the twist. <laughs> Guess we should have started with the spoiler alert. Probably. Oh, well. It was Violet. Yep. Elegant, sophisticated, mysterious, Victorian house-dwelling Violet is also... A stone-cold killer. She is diabolical. This reveal happens at the very end of the book. It's Kathleen realizing after uh, bad handyman Will Redfern attacks her Mm -hmm. that he couldn't have been the killer. Right. Uh, And that all along it was Violet. She confronts the whole Tai Chi girl gang in the gazebo. Of all places. Now, at this point, you're reading it, you're thinking it might be Rebecca, but then you realize that Violet, her loyalty to Rebecca runs so deep that she would kill a man. Right, and uh, Rebecca had fallen in love with Gregor Easton when she was younger. He took these terrible pictures of her, Mm -hmm. blackmailed her, and it kept her from the love of her life, Everett, the guy who owns the mysterious abandoned uh, state on top of the hill. Yes. Which I'm sure that drama will be resolved in other books. Yeah. Because that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Anyways, Violet takes matters into her own hands. And this murder is really a doozy. It's certainly not a straightforward one like it's, we've seen in the past. There's multiple culprits that play some role in this. Yes. Now... We know that Rebecca's adopted granddaughter, Amy, was an object of Gregor Easton's affection. And while it seems logical that Rebecca would have been the one to off him, she doesn't actually get the chance. She does lure Gregor Easton to the library by forging the note from Kathleen that says, meet me in the library. After hours. Ugh, so scandalous. And apparently Kathleen, whose age we're unsure of, is... A uh, good enough bait that Gregorieston is like, yeah, all right. Of course, when he gets to the library, he meets up with Rebecca, and she's like, hey, pause off my adopted granddaughter. Right. You old creep. Remember what you did to me? 
well, it's not happening anymore. You're not going to do it to my granddaughter. So they have some sort of tussle. And at that point, that's how Rebecca injures her wrist. Um, That's how Gregor sustains a head wound. Right. Right. Um, I believe that has something to do with, like, the misplaced scaffolding from from negligent handyman Will Redfern. Yeah, he trips or, like, she pushes him and he trips over something. So it's a little bit Will Redfern's fault. It's a little bit Rebecca's fault. True. So he, Gregor Easton hits his head pretty hard and decides to go clean up in the theater. Yeah. Well, it seems like either Will Redfern or Rebecca are ultimately going to be responsible. There's someone waiting at the theater. Violet, diabolical, smooth, sophisticated Violet, has been watching this play out. She knew Rebecca was planning something. So she followed along in the shadows. Yep. And she waited until Gregor Easton was alone. She saw he had a head wound. And like all sophisticated lady murderers she poisoned him yep she with gave aspirin. him a whole bunch of aspirin she was like oh you've got a headache from that head wound from that hematoma yeah have some blood thinners yes here you go <laughs> take as many as you need you don't need to go to the hospital yeah you don't need to go to the vet either <laughs> <laughs> take a few more blood Roma's thinners in bed so she can't help you anyway So Violet is the one who ultimately offs Gregor Easton by taking advantage of the fact that he sustained a head wound, encouraging him to take blood thinners, and just waiting for him to, uh, and I don't really know how the science on this works, (laughs) to be like, ultimately fall asleep have a stroke fall asleep I don't know. Anyway, it kills him. It kills him. I'm not a doctor. I'm not really sure how this works. But the, I mean, the scene where she's confessing. Yes. It's, it's a long scene where Kathleen is like, and so you did this, and so then that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all the red herrings are addressed. It's Violet the whole time. She's like, you thought it was going to be Rebecca. It wasn't. He sustained that head wound, but not from Rebecca. She was defending herself at the library. You know. You gotta, you gotta read us the, the quote where Violet finally goes... Uh, and just embraces her dark side. I would really, be, I would be happy to. You know, Kathleen's cornered her, and she's like, "You left a man to die. I don't care what he did. You left him there to die." Violet took a step closer to me. No, Kathleen, I didn't. Hate sharpened her voice. Yes, I gave him aspirin. Yes, I convinced him not to go to the hospital, but I didn't. Leave him to die. Something in her face, her smile, made my stomach clench. I made sure he was dead before I left. Violet! She hissed. Diabolical! Yeah. And Kathleen is like, oh no. That's terrible. You're dark. But Violet's like, and no one will ever know better. Who oh, yeah. will they believe? You, an out-of-towner from Boston? Or me, a bastion of the community who lives in a lovely Victorian house? <laughs> Conveniently timed, however. Kathleen recorded the whole conversation on a mini tape recorder. Yeah. Uh, this was, yeah. this was, you know. This was a stretch. It was kind of like, eh. really? You, you knew she was going to confess? I mean, you, 
Kathleen did go to confront them. True. I guess but, you know, she was expecting a confession. She was. I think she was expecting to get one out of Rebecca and not yeah, Violet. Yeah. But either way, she came prepared with that tape recorder. She got it on tape, and she's like, guess who's going to prison? It's you, lady. But listen, not too long ago, we asked for a strong female murderer. Ask and you shall receive. Here it is. Violet is amazing. Frankly, Violet is the ultimate ride or die. She murdered a dude for her best friends. She murdered for revenge that was not her own. Yeah. It was revenge on behalf of someone she loved. Which, like... That's pretty intense. I kind of love her. Yeah. I think she's great. I like her uh, elegant Talbot's pantsuits. Yes. I like her Victorian house. I like the fact that she cooks like an impeccable four-course meal for her friends. (laughs) She attends Tai Chi classes. She's a patron of the local arts. Yeah. And she's just, you know... A murderer. Yeah. (laughs) Listen. A cold-blooded, sat and watched this man die in front of her murderer. Yeah. Just waited until he was dead and then, you know... Damn girl. Hopped into her Volvo and drove back to that Victorian (laughs) mansion. Poured herself a cup of Earl Grey. Was in bed by 10. Nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, Violet, we salute you. You're you're the strong, independent female murderer we've been looking for in a cozy camp mystery. Thank goodness for Violet. Big ups to her. Yeah. This was... I feel like this was a great read. You know, we had some, we had a couple of misses. We did. We didn't really love uh, Murder Past Due with Grandpa Charlie and his sleepy mystery. It didn't, it didn't rouse me. (sighs) We totally, we couldn't even get through the mysterious case of Jack the Nipper. We really tried. Extremely Dickinsonian, paid by the Uh, word, ramblings. You know what? This, this was like a good return to cozy form. Yeah. I have high hopes. Well, I have hopes. Yeah. For the next book. Yeah. (laughs) They're tempered. Mm -hmm. I try not to have high hopes anymore. Yeah. Uh, Just medium hopes for our next read, which is Curiosity Killed the Cat by T.H. Hunter. That one does involve the ghost of a librarian, and it involves a cat who is a reincarnated warlock. I can't wait. I hope that this is better than, well, almost anything is better than (laughs) Murder at the Art Gallery, where the cat is a reincarnated New York City detective but that never, never, just, never. It doesn't matter. He it doesn't could, matter. It's just a really. Muscular it's never cat. brought up again. So he's beefy. muscular. Yep. He's buff. Mm-hmm. It's a buff cat. Buff cat that could use a toilet like a person. <laughs> oh my god! I forgot about that. <laughs> oh my god. So Why is yeah. That so bad. We're hoping curiosity killed the cat. Will be our next great read. But in the meantime, we thank you all for tuning in to Purder She Wrote. Please rate review and subscribe to Purder She Wrote on iTunes. Give us a like on Facebook. Find us on Instagram, Twitter. Go to our website, purdershewrote.com. We love you. Yes. And we're glad you're here. Yep. Thanks for listening, kittens. Bye. Bye. Bye.